right, so as uh, as some people may know about me, and others don't, I I enjoy starting off my summer vacation every year playing all four Uncharted games. And what I do is, since I've already platinumed these games thrice, and I'm not even kidding you, I have platinumed them all three times. Once for me, once for Mark, once for my <laughs> buddy Matt. Platinumed them. And I set them to Explorer just so I can enjoy the story of these games. Because as much as I love the games, gameplay does tend to take a little bit of a backseat to the overall story of Uncharted. And this is something that you watch as you're like, when you watch the cinematics and you watch the story, you're like, this would be a beautiful movie, an absolutely beautiful movie. However, I have a distinct feeling that if they tried to actually physically turn the games into a movie, it'd be a train wreck like almost every other video game based movie. And I am well aware that there is one coming up. It's just a young Nathan Drake, but yeah, yeah Tom I, have, Holland. I, have, I have high hopes for that because Tom Holland is attached to it and he is, I don't know, he's, he's awkward. You can be confident. It could, it could, it could work. It probably won't. And I say yeah. this as a fan of both Tom Holland and Uncharted, it probably won't work. And that's not either their fault. It's just because Mark, for whatever reason, you can have a great video game. That seems like it's, it was, it was just as fun to watch as it was to play. Because we all know now it is a viable like form of entertainment to watch other people play video games. Doesn't yeah. mean it makes a good movie. It just doesn't. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the number of like successes of video game based movies to fails, it is a very, very one-sided fight. <laughs> it's easier to point out the fails or sorry. It's easier to point out the ones that actually made money versus the ones that mm-hmm. failed. Cause the majority of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, they totally failed. Um, yeah. They fell hard. They do. And like, like, I mean, Pokemon is something different because like you have like the anime, which was made to endorse the game. And the first season was playing through the game. And I guess the subsequent seasons are too, but like the stories that you, that the movies are made are based off of like the anime and stuff that's going on or like weird little one shots where they just kind of work. So Mm. then you get like detective Pikachu, which for a while there, and again, nothing against this movie it's a, it's a good little family movie for a while there that was the highest grossing and well like best received video game based movie until it was beaten by sonic the hedgehog and while i haven't seen it so i don't want to put it down because i'm actually a friend of a guy who's friends with one of the writers of that movie <laughs> which is a weird connection it's actually like my boss at my job is friends with the writers one of the writers in sonic the hedgehog um i feel like that movie, part of the reason why it did so well is because the internet bullied them into fixing Sonic and out of basically guilt, a lot of people went to see it. Well, I mean, I've seen the movie. I mean, I would say it's pretty enjoyable, but, okay. you know. I'll take your word. What, yeah, what what brings us here today is is the fact that we're covering Borderlands, you know, this week. We're going to talk about the series in our, our main, you know, our main episode this week. So today's side stitch, we thought we'd do something a little bit different where we're going to start looking at some of the historical flops, I guess, in, in video game movies, and and then talk a little bit about the, the Borderlands movie itself, because, Joe, believe it or not, we don't cover a lot of current things, do we, on this show? Uh, no, we're kind of like this weird, like, nostalgia for not even long ago. Like, yeah, I'm nostalgic over this game that came out five years ago. <laughs> like i'm yeah i'm nostalgic <laughs> for a, a show i watched a year ago 
And I want to introduce somebody else to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes we 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 dive deeper back into the things like because obviously, I, I mean, we did like talk about stuff from like the '80s and early '90s. Um, but yeah, no, we we like the most like topical thing we've done was the Snyder Cut, and even that came out like two weeks after the fact of people already being done talking about it. So we are well, not mean, current event people. <laughs> I mean, we were current eventish with with the uh, the Snyder Cut. I mean. I think with WandaVision, we briefly mentioned it, you know, uh, the, yeah. <laughs> the tail end of the robot sex episode, which mm-hmm. I really wish more folks would listen to. It's really funny guys, but yeah. 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 But you know, video game uh, movies have, have just struggled hard and whether you want to talk about the fact that it's studio interference or maybe people that were making a movie that didn't understand the source material at all. Uh, usually it just ends up being a perfect storm of bullshit, no matter what. Um, now, one of the first like video game movies was actually based on uh, the Fatal Fury series. It was just like an anime, but uh, mm-hmm. largely credited as like the first like video game property that was adapted into a, a film of some kind. Right? This is this is like made for TV though. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would honestly just kind of uh, just kind of lump it in with like a Saturday morning cartoon at that point, right? Um, not a lot of people are probably watching it, but. The uh, Super Mario movie, of course, would oh, be yes. <laughs> the, the, the big flop. Yeah, as, uh, where John Leguizamo playing Luigi is, for some reason, the main star of the Super Mario movie. Uh, yeah, it didn't have yep. to make sense. Didn't, didn't have, have to, make, to sense. make sense, no. And um, I'm forgetting, uh, I'm misplacing it, the guy who played King Koopa. In that oh, movie. Dennis Hopper, the late Dennis Hopper. Yes, who also was the, uh, the main villain in... In Waterworld. Yes. Another another yeah. modern classic. Yes. Oh, beautiful. I think that may have to be an episode on how someone was like, hey, you know those Mad Max movies? Those are fun. You know what else is really cool? The ocean. Let's put them together. And then they <laughs> did. And they're like, well, we're this far. We can't stop. Just keep going. And hey, that was Waterworld. Hey, <laughs> hey, does anybody else in here like to drink the pee? Anybody else? <laughs> is it just me? Just just this guy over here? Huh? Huh? I like just, just me and, it's it's sterile supposedly i hear that but i don't think it is because it's just your waste how could it be sterile so you're saying there's a machine you put the pee into and it makes water and and then all of a sudden that movie gets made yeah. <laughs> but you know the, but the truth is though man with video game adaptations the early ones like we've been pretty careful on this show to not make people feel bad about the the decisions they made creatively (laughs) right like Mm -hmm. like usually if we say we don't agree with something okay here's something to replace it with or here's what i think might have been a better option Mm -hmm. in this case like this this early super mario brothers movie i mean it was it was just weird just very it just it just it didn't like it took very vague things from the game like you had a bomb that was kind of more of like a weird goofy little wind-up toy which i mean they have the wind-up things in the game but it literally was just like a tiny wind-up toy that blew up really big and that was that was actually a pretty fun thing um you had like the jump boots that made them jump really high just like in the video game but then the mushroom kingdom looked like mega city one it did with <laughs> junk hanging everywhere and whatever like where the the uh the inspiration or the idea came for the electric cars that ran like bumper cars at a at a, at a state fair 
Like, yeah. I don't know where the hell that came from or why do you, I thought that was a good idea. You took all these weird concepts, threw them in, and I don't know. It didn't work. It just didn't work. And again, like, if you like the movie, we're not saying that you shouldn't like the movie, etc. Whatever makes you happy, watch it. I'm a Robot Jocks fan, and there's nothing great about that movie, and I love it so much. It's bad. I know it's bad. Just accept that this Mario movie is bad and you can still like it. And that is okay. Yeah. I mean, it's totally okay. You know, the, the, the issue that comes up, you know, that is that we've talked about how nineties properties were just cheesy. I mean, cheesier than they had any business being, you know, I, I actually really enjoyed the, the first Mortal Kombat movie. A lot of us nineties kids oh, did. Absolutely. That movie was yeah. fun. Oh yeah. It was the right combination of action and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, very few spoken words and yeah and the main theme Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh my god the main theme if that did not get you like going from like six to midnight oh get out of here you're lying to yourself oh absolutely yeah dude there were there were plenty of children conceived because of the theme for the mortal (laughs) Kombat movie (laughs) yeah man yeah, just like the the Valentine's Day effect. If you're a kid that's born in the middle of November, there's a there's a pretty high chance your your parents were knocking boots on around mm-hmm. February 14th. Uh, not talking about my own parents, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm looking out. I understand. But hey, you know what? The Mortal Kombat movie though was one of those first early successes in video game movies, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, people people actually really enjoyed that film. Um, it was the right combination of cheesy fun and uh, just enough to get you from start to finish basically yeah and I mean I didn't think the acting I mean granted I saw it when I was a kid but I didn't think the acting was terrible yet what uh, was it was Robin Cho as Liu yeah. Kang and he yeah. later shows up in um, uh, Beverly Hills Ninja and <laughs> does a great job in that movie with Chris Farley um, he was one of the f- few if not only actors that came back for Annihilation Oh yeah. Kind of wish he like wasn't such a young actor where he could have just turned that movie down. <laughs> He's like, you know, no one else is coming back. I don't probably need the money. This is yeah. this is a sign. <laughs> I, well, I, I mean, do this. I mean, Christopher Lambert, who plays you know Lord Raiden, mm-hmm. uh, I actually rather enjoyed him in this, but yeah, uh, I understand it's it's whitewashed, you know, yep. whatever. But he he actually did pretty well with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the 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 villain you know of of uh, Shang Tsung played by Kerry uh, Hiroyuki Tagawa mm-hmm. was like oh, like just just brilliant pinnacle. brilliant casting. Yeah, that mm-hmm. guy played like like just awful '90s villain to mm-hmm. the to the letter, and he he executes it totally well. Oh yeah, and then eventually so. I think it's like Mortal Kombat like ten or eleven. I think it might be eleven. Is when they have they actually model the character after him. Uh, <laughs> as well as they should right yeah <laughs> by the way for those of you uh, who've listened to this show we occasionally have animals that yeah that pass by our mics um so that's our our sully alert uh if you've if you've seen mm-hmm. joe's dog before it also means <laughs> that um uh my neighbors have used their stairs and this greatly offends sully oh yeah yeah he's it, not is a, fan it, of is it. A, it is offensive damn it <laughs> um but yeah you know what that that mortal Kombat movie um would oddly enough be the pinnacle of like financial mm-hmm. performance for a, a video game movie for, you know, quite some time. Not surprising. Yeah. <laughs> if you not... know, if you know the stock that's coming after Mortal Kombat, you should not be surprised that that was, that was the peak for a very long time. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be until uh, closer towards the, 
the Tomb Raider movies with Angelina Jolie that actually yep. like I mean they they saw uh, the first one was mm-hmm. uh, I believe uh, two hundred seventy four million dollars in two thousand one yeah. like that's and, how much the box office did. I mean that one you just had like I don't want to say it relied on star power but I mean it definitely helped. I mean I, I mean I enjoyed the the um the the Tomb Raider movies the original ones with uh with Angelina Jolie. I mean, you yeah. put her in it and you're going to fill the seats up. Like she is just awesome uh, in like almost everything she's in. Like, I don't know. She just does a hell of a job in every movie she's in. So if she's in it, like your interest should be at least not, if not peaked, but at least like sparked, like, like, Oh, you know what? She's in it. The worst it's going to probably be is okay. <laughs> well, That's the worst it's probably going to be. I mean, hey, supporting casts. I mean, um, this one was pretty solid. So John Voight, her, mm-hmm. you know, her father would be in it. Oh uh, yeah, Baby Burr himself. He picks yeah. weird oh, accents in movies with giant snakes. They don't make dude. sense. <laughs> John Voight. <laughs> that's a that's a, a topic for another day. But I'm gladly ready to jump into it. Um, <laughs> oddly enough, this Tomb Raider movie would also have Ian Glenn. So literally, mm-hmm. Sir Jorah Mormont himself from game of thrones oh yeah um and then a young daniel craig would show yeah, up yeah yeah james bond before he's bond yeah. is in there mm-hmm. yeah yeah there'd be there'd be some you know some future star power uh mm-hmm. and and current star power so i mean once again though there was a there was a high level of cheese in that film oh of course yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, and it's the worst kind of cheese it's early yeah. 2000s cheese and that's i think yeah. that's part of it for like um the same reason as like we uh when we talked about dread like how it's like not as bad as you remember because it's still, it's, it's still like it's an action movie on top of a comic book movie um and i, yeah. I should rephrase that judge dread is not as bad as you remember dread is beautiful and i will not yes. back down from that um <laughs> But Judge Dredd, like, still would suffer from, like, you know, 90s and 80s action hero tropes, just like uh, Tomb Raider would, too. Um, it's an action, like, it is a video game movie, but it's an action video game. And therefore, action movie, you're going to have the same same tropes, same terrible, like, repeats of, of, of things that are just done in every action movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And... I mean, and that's unfortunately what a lot of video game movies would whittle down to mm-hmm. um, for the exception of, uh, well, I was going to say the exception of, but I mean, the Resident Evil movies were, you know, pretty yeah. strongly focused on violence and mm-hmm. I mean, you're killing zombies. So yeah, yeah you kind of have to have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know what? We did take an interesting turn <laughs> for a little bit there because uh, perhaps you've heard of a, a gentleman named Yuva Bull who has uh produce some clunkers in the world of the video game movie um have you seen any of these films before uh i think i should know the name but for some reason it's slipping me it's it's it's, it's past me right now yeah okay so this guy is literally paid by the german government to create movies um (laughs) like like these these international productions that Mm -hmm. get funded by the german government and u-bowl is always the guy that they go hey we need you to to give us another brilliant vision for one of these video game movies. Um, Joe, we could easily spend hours talking about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I will, I will once again, table this just like we will with Anaconda, but <laughs> he, he would produce uh, the house of the dead blood rain. Oh. Uh, oh. I believe also alone in the dark. Oh, I have the, Oh God, I could. Yeah. Yep. Alone in the dark. Uh, that one was, not again, like nothing is going to touch a karate Christmas miracle for painful movies for me. 
<laughs> but Alone in the Dark with Tara Reid and Christian Slater. That's bad. Um, it is bad. Like, and this on top, this is like, it was made when it was actually like peak Tara Reid before like yeah. she really started getting ridiculed for um, her, her acting ability. So this was still like, I mean, she's like fairly fresh off American Pie popularity and she gets roped into this movie. And uh, it also has, uh, I'm forgetting his name. He played Deacon Fro- uh, Frost and Blade. Um, let's see here. In, in Which, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud. I know Christian Slater is in it. And then yep. Stephen Dorff. That's it. Yeah, because Stephen yeah. Dorff, like, of everything in that movie, I've ever seen him make, you know, he brings it. He brings it to that movie. He doesn't do a bad job. It's just everything is falling apart around, around him. And it kind of sucks on his, on his part there. Well, um, what's, what's universal in a U-Bowl film is that you usually don't feel like you feel bad for the actors typically because because <laughs> our, our our favorite uh, uh supreme judge in uh in a judge dread mm-hmm. jorgen uh Procknell, he would be in house of the dead he plays this boat captain in there and, and mm-hmm. he he does his damnedest but man it uh it just doesn't work out and so <sighs> ultimately what happens in these films with Bowl is that uh it's basically john zoidberg just going uh your film is bad and you should feel bad you know it's <laughs> it, <laughs> that's just how it goes <laughs> but, um but you know what i will say on, on this 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 journey of video game movies um there are a few standouts along the way one mm-hmm. of them being the silent hill movie um, yeah that, that one was actually that was a, that was a good like psychological thriller to it which i mean the, that's what the game does too but you know it captures that that same spirit very well yeah yeah i mean it, it was it was terrifying um <laughs> i i remember seeing Lori holden uh who you know plays the uh, andrea on walking dead um she literally gets burned to a crisp and you get to see that play out on on, yeah. on the tv so yeah you do oh god that that whole movie yeah uh i would recommend to watch it you know during the daytime and just close the blinds so it mm-hmm. feels like it's night but but don't watch it at night it's a really terrifying no. movie and Mm-mm. Uh, incredibly well done but yep but yeah dude uh as far as financial performance would go um for a little bit there the warcraft movie would actually hold like the 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 biggest you know box office uh performance oh yeah because uh, it, for- it, uh, yeah. it didn't do well here but it killed in china like it did so well in china um and overseas yeah yeah mm-hmm. it did yeah i mean it it almost uh, doubled the amount that the Assassin's Creed movie did. Um, which... uh, we, we've 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 talked about that one already. We don't need to re- we don't need to tear that wound back open. No, it's it's already dead. We don't need no, to beat that one anymore. No, but we don't. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, you you mentioned Detective Pikachu. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, which oddly enough, uh, Joe made a little bit less money than Warcraft did, um, mm-hmm. and. Of course, The Rock would would get into the mix again oh, here with, with Rampage. Rampage. Yep, <laughs> I remember Rampage held that out for quite a while. <laughs> Rampage, honestly, dude, um, gotta say that is not a bad video game. It movie. was a it was a fun movie. <laughs> it was like he had this back and forth with uh, with the ape where yeah. the ape would, would like mess with him because like he uh, if you haven't seen it yet he uh, he's like the head of a of a primate sanctuary and he of course like any main gorilla in a movie they know sign language and the rock talks with them and yeah they have a back and forth and the ape fucks with them throughout the movie it's pretty fun it's it's so, actually adorable i, I yeah. thought it was a, a really uh well-made movie um 
you know, and it just kind of got buried because a lot of people just went, oh, it's just another rock action movie, mm-hmm. you know, but it's no, it's, it's, it's adapted from a, a pretty fun video game. Yeah. And yeah, if you haven't played Rampage, get out there and play it. It's basically your chance to be Godzilla with your friends and you're just going around smacking the crap out of buildings. It's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh unapologetic violence and destruction and uh, yeah, you just beat the shit out of buildings. I mean, yeah. it's, it was, it was fun for a very long time. Yeah, no. And then what after Rampage and then Sonic dethrones it from there, right? As far as like good movies go. Sonic is the well, next one to, yeah, to yeah. which yeah, we, we talked about a little bit. Well, since, since you haven't watched Sonic the Hedgehog though, and you know, it is one of the most recent video game adaptations aside from the new Mortal Kombat, which, um, you know, once again, I think it was actually a, not that bad of a movie, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that later. Oh, yeah. But Sonic the Hedgehog was actually a, a fun, you know, combination of being a, mm-hmm. a kid's movie, but also trying to pull, you know, pull in some of the adult viewers, just like any kind of, you know, solid movie would. Um, and so it, it didn't try to do too much. Um, it was a little corny at points, but I mean, it was a largely enjoyable film too. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, well, I, mean, I mean, it's meant uh, to be yeah. a family movie. It's got to have, it's got to be cheesy here and there. Yeah. It has to. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it had a fair amount of cheese. Um, and, and Jim Carrey did a pretty good job as Dr. Robotnik in it. Um, he took things a little into left field, but that's normal for him. Yep. So <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> Yeah, there are some interesting uh, interpretations of things that, that they probably didn't write. Um, but yeah, you know, it was it was still largely enjoyable. But the, the I would say the biggest thing here, you know, we've just talked about how there's been plenty of, of decent video game movies along the way that that people just kind of lumped into being bad. Mm-hmm. And I think what's really important here is to analyze why movies can be bad, because um, we've talked a little bit about this with Assassin's Creed. I don't want to get into it a ton, but one of the concerns I have with the Borderlands movie is that it could be a case of bringing people in who are known for writing serious films, serious movies, because that's, that's the issue we ran into with Assassin's Creed, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it was directed uh, by Justin Cruzel, who, you know, had only been really known for adapting Macbeth. I'm, I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, he, he wasn't someone that I thought could really handle uh, that kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, with a video game movie, you don't want, I don't know. It's almost like you don't want it to take itself too seriously. The original Mortal Kombat did. And it, again, it, it worked fairly well. If you, you enjoyed the video games, you loved that movie. If you didn't play the video games, like, you know what? It's an okay action movie. It, it, it works. Um, but I think when video game movies, almost try to have as much fun making the movie or having the movie work as you would like playing the actual video game is, is like the key to success. So if you're trying to take, especially if you're trying to take Borderlands seriously, you haven't even played the game. You <laughs> I mean, haven't. That's step, you, you've fucked up step one right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's where I think the mistake could be is if you, if you try to make Borderlands too much of a serious film. Um, now, like the director of Borderlands, though, is Eli Roth, who, I mean, if you're not familiar with him, I mean, he directed Cabin Fever, Hostel. Um, you know, he he was also in um, 
uh, Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. If you remember, he he bashed a certain Nazi's oh, yes. head in with a bat. Yeah, yeah. He was the uh, the he was the bear man. We'll put him at that. Um. Yes, yes. We'll, we'll just call him <laughs> the bear. The bear. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but um, but you know, I, I when I when I think about Eli Roth and I, I look at his body of work, okay, mm-hmm. um, some of the seriousness of the the mistakes that Justin Curzel made. I don't know if Eli Roth will necessarily do the same thing mm-hmm. um, because even though Hostel was a horror movie, uh, I mean, Hostel still felt like there was an element of grindhouse horror to it, mm-hmm. even though it's like based on a true story and you've got people who are literally like cutting people's limbs and eyeballs out and everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it still did not. Um, I don't know. It, it did. It, I guess it kind of bordered on smut film, depending on your your point of view. <laughs> but you take a movie like Cabin Fever, though. You know, Cabin Fever is a horror movie that still remains pretty comedic, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's oh it, it yeah. Was, I mean, it, I I was laughing at that movie, even though I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> but uh, but that that's still that's one thing I will say is that in the Borderlands universe, yeah, there's hyper violence everywhere. Mm-hmm. The entire the entire game. Uh, the entire series it's just something you get used to and that's what they basically make it seem as it's comedic because it happens so much yeah we're used to seeing someone get get their head hacked off and then all of a sudden the person that did it's talking to you for a quest right (laughs) so (laughs) i think it i think it could work depending on Mm -hmm. on you know the route that eli roth takes with it but um the one thing i was starting to get a little concerned with here um and and i'm not the only person uh, who's concerned with this but the screenplay was actually uh written uh, it was it was a uh it was actually there's two folks that were writing it so i believe mm-hmm. it was uh uh craig mason and aaron berg um craig mason you might know from the, the five-part miniseries um chernobyl oh yes i've been oh that has been sitting in my um my two watch list on hbo max for so long and you did finally get around with that i've heard nothing but good things about chernobyl and I'll reinforce that point. Um, I, I watched it too. I thought it was, you know, very, very well made. Um, I was too young to know, you know, all of the events. And mm-hmm. I know they took some liberties with it. But but so that's, so the Eli Roth side of this isn't my concern. My concern is Craig Mazin because Chernobyl, brilliantly made, obviously very serious, true story. I have to wonder if Craig Mazin's got enough of a sense of humor to, to pull off Borderlands, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. to write for Borderlands, exactly. Yeah, um, I don't know, maybe, hopefully, because like Borderlands, if you can have that like self depreciating humor, like it could work well. So, I don't know, um, I hope, but if he takes it too seriously, it just it's not going to go well. Well, if we just based it off of Chernobyl, you know, that mm-hmm. would be one thing, right? But um, he actually made his screenwriting debut on uh, Rocket Man in 1997. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you remember the uh, the Rocket Man movie, but um, I remember forcing my parents to to rent it for me. <laughs> it was <laughs> yeah, it, it was a goofy movie, man. Not not to be confused with the actual goofy movie. Um, but I mean, this would star you know Harlan Williams if you remember him. Um, mm-hmm. He was a he was a pretty prolific you know early 90s guy. Um, he played the cop in Dumb and Dumber who accidentally swigs down the pee, if you remember. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, that that was a pretty funny movie for the time. Um, and he would also write, uh, oh, I think 
two of the scary movies, uh, three and four. Oh yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. and then he would also write the identity thief movie with, uh, with Melissa McCarthy, which I thought wasn't that great. I, I, I watched it and, and this has nothing to do with me, like not really liking Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just wasn't a movie that I, I really cared to, to get much into. Um, but yeah, so I'm not trying to say that, that, that Mason can't write comedy, right? Because mm-hmm. um, he also helped write, uh, oh, the Hangover movies with Todd Phillips. You know, Which, he, fun movies. I mean, yeah. But he co-wrote parts two and three, though. Oh, okay. He, he, didn't, he didn't write one. He helped write two and three, which some folks have said these are the weakest films in that trilogy. So Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they kind of just, you know, when you do Copy the same the thing three times over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, we got drunk and lost someone again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, no, we've done this three times. How unbelievable of us. Ooh, yeah, no. Yeah, so uh, that's that's where I'm starting to like mm-hmm. just I I have to question some of the oh I mean I'm not a writer okay I, I mean I've I wrote for a university newspaper and mm-hmm. I wrote well enough to get A's in English okay but but uh, I, I just have to say based off of the things I've seen from him um, I I just have to wonder what he can do here yeah hmm and I mean and, I, yeah. I I've not. I've not written anything of merit. <laughs> so you mean I almost, I mean, don't need to, don't want to, don't, shouldn't be criticizing. So, I mean, I mean, I'm still going to watch the movie. I'll give it a chance because it's a fun, fun property, but. Well, he will know. be a co-writer though. He'll be a co-writer and a um, executive producer on the last of us series that's coming out. And okay. I, I actually think that he, based off of what I've seen, I think he can really write for that. I think yeah. that would be like a brilliant thing for him because he's shown that he can write comedic things, mm-hmm. but he's also shown more recently his serious writing chops, you know, are, yeah. are definitely there. And um, if you've, if you've played the last of us games, you know, the humor is fleeting in those games. Um, oh yeah. It's, it's here and there. It's mostly, it's mostly sadness with a little bit of anger spliced in. So yeah, if you can do yeah. It, yeah, immeasurable sadness. Immeasurable sadness, but then you get a glimpse of a draft and things are okay for a few moments. Yeah, and there was an Optimus Prime uh, Easter egg that made me happy in that game, in the first one anyway. <laughs> it was great. Like It's like, it's actually really close to the giraffe part too. You're about to go into this collapsed um, like tunnel and there is a red semi-truck uh, cab with a gray trailer with the blue stripes going down it and then curving up right at the end. It's like, Hey, look at that. That's fun. <laughs> That's cool. I'm happy. Then you're sad again, because you know, the giraffes are gone. Optimus prime is there rotting. And if you've played the game, you know why you're sad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. if you're, if you're paying attention to the borderlands movie, uh, um, that's, that's like the creative guts of it right there. Okay. Um, I mean, I will say I trust Eli Roth to an extent. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's been pretty solid, and I I don't have a reason not to trust him. It's just that the Mason connection is that I have to wonder, you know, can Eli Roth balance him out enough? Can they can they work together to get that feel of the the comedic nature of Borderlands mm-hmm. mixed with this this desolate waste? Boy, is it's unforgiving. Um, yet you're going to laugh a little bit when you play the game. So. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's a little concerning, but you know what? Just like with with some of these decisions before creatively, I'm not going to pretend like I know better. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. I'm more on the optimistic side. So when you think when you think making this movie, like what element from the games do you think would be the most difficult to actually translate to a feature film? I think it's the fact that in the games. Um, you have to fight a lot of these massive creatures, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're talking creatures that could be, you know, four stories tall, and and in the games, like these are these are pretty common, you know, uh, pretty common occurrences. Um, so, from a big budget movie standpoint, I think that might be tough if we see too many mm-hmm. uh, creatures like that. I think they got to balance that well. But the other thing is, though, is that um, some of the the actors that would be involved with this movie really have to understand how to truly play a psychopath yeah <laughs> if you're gonna be a bad guy um there, you, there's there's so many you know enemies in the game mm-hmm. and uh the, these aren't the types of like like the ones that you're usually killing the most of they're not layered right no no <laughs> these are these are just people who are like pulling teeth out of uh people they kidnap and you know uh literally like carving them up with with knives and shit so mm-hmm there's there's a balance to that um you know in our in this this movie is not going to involve you know handsome jack who we talk about in our main episode um later this week but um a character like handsome jack you have to be very responsible with who you cast and who plays it because mm-hmm. that is a villain who does have layers to him um and so that's where i'm starting to wonder how they're going to focus on a villain uh for this movie because in the first game you've got a series of bad guys who uh, basically fight for this like corporation. Who's trying to uh, take this world we're introduced to called Pandora Mm -hmm. and strip it of all of its useful resources. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, What they have shown us so far in the synopsis for this movie is that we've got a, a little bit of a change to the recipe of the games because, you know, we've got the vault hunters who were introduced to, they all fight together and they're all trying to find mm-hmm. a vault on Pandora and open it up, access whatever riches might be inside. They are changing that somewhat um, because okay. from what we've seen so far, um, the idea of the vault hunters isn't so much a focus. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember in the first game, like Roland and Lilith are like, they obviously know each other. Um, they're all kind of united by this common goal. From everything I've seen so far, the main characters, Roland and Lilith, don't even really know each other. Huh. Yeah. At least that's the way the synopsis is making it seem. Interesting. Um, but yeah, Kevin Hart's going to be playing the part of Roland mm-hmm. and Kate Blanchett is going to be playing Lilith. Okay. So, you know, you, you've got yeah. some decent acting talent there. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack and Black's going to be Claptrap, by the way. Which I'm <laughs> all for. Like that makes, yeah, I'm, I don't even care that he's not going to eat. He's like Claptrap is going to be Jack Black, which really like they're both like off the wall fun anyway. And like the Claptrap voice is iconically like high pitched and like is what it is. And yeah. I don't even care that it's not going to sound like that because Jack Black is going to be fucking great as as Claptrap. And speaking of like, um, I don't know when you when you said um uh actors who can really play psychopaths um maybe you'll be surprised because one thing that i i remembered is actually um chris pine and smoke and aces oh yeah yeah yeah. 
Yeah. yeah and like I, I i saw smoking aces like well after i'd seen star trek um yeah uh the 2009 one and so like when i saw chris pine as as kirk and that was the first thing i saw chris pine in and then i went and then i go back and i see smoking aces and like holy shit that's kirk and like and he he <laughs> plays like a weird freaking like hick psychopath really well in that movie so maybe maybe we'll get lucky and we'll have someone someone able to do that playing a psycho or maybe all the like most of the psychos will just be like unknowns who can just just knock it out of the park well i mean so far all signs point to uh edgar ramirez as being the main big bad of this film mm-hmm. or at least that's what some of us are trying to read between the lines of uh trying to understand if he's going to be the big bad guy because i've been, mentioned the atlas corporation to you which is this you know this corporation vying for power on, on pandora well, his name is just called Atlas. And oh. so I, I, some of us are trying to read between the lines here and go, okay, what does that mean? You know, does, because he's an original character named Atlas. So mm-hmm. either he represents the company or, you know, somebody just decided to pick a name off a page and see yeah. what they could do with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, I like Edgar Ramirez, though. Um, mm-hmm. He was in the Born Ultimatum, uh, as well as uh, Vantage Point. I don't know if you've seen uh, those those films. Um, uh, Ultimatum, yes. Vantage Point, like I feel like I should have seen it, but it's not ringing a bell right now. As far as like, I mean, I, I've heard of it, but I don't, I can't remember any details of it. So I'm guessing I haven't, I haven't seen Vantage Point. Oh no, no concern, man. Um, it, it's it's a decent one to to you know pick up one of these days. Um, I remember it was on like the paid channels for for quite a while um but uh not to get too far into it that's just another one of those uh movies that's told from like 12 different perspectives and everybody's mm-hmm. kind of witnessing one event but um but edgar ramirez though yeah he'd be solid in uh, uh wrath of the titans later on and oh he was even in the point break reboot <laughs> so oh, there I mean, you go guy's been all over the place so i i think that he could do a decent job as mm-hmm. a villain and I'm assuming because of that Atlas connection and what they do to the planet of Pandora, you know, that's where he will ultimately uh, yeah. end up being. Yeah, that could work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then otherwise they, they managed to get Jamie Lee Curtis though, to play the role of Patricia Tannis, who is like this, this archeologist <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. quest giver, you know, who helps yeah. really drive the plot of the, of the first game. And so, yeah, it's like, how'd you get Jamie Lee Curtis away from the Activia commercials and, bring her into the movie <laughs> maybe it was with activia they just paid her in yogurt she's like yeah i'll do that <laughs> i i i would i don't want to necessarily like whittle her career down just no. to a probiotic yogurt but no no uh, true lies everyone loves true lies love that movie oh yes great movie the uh oh my god the uh i don't know what was it, the scene with um it's um Arnold and why am I forgetting his name? He's the only actor who's ever been killed by the, both the predator and an alien. Um, oh my God, this is, yeah, this is killing me. me. It's, it's, I feel like if there's any nerd card that I have, it should be like, not no, like it's, it's Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, they're doing the whole, like scaring him into like not flirting with Arnold's wife, who is Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. Yeah. And, uh, what then there's someone uh oh, i'm thinking his name roseanne's um tom actually, arnold tom arnold yeah, yeah. actually yeah, get lost dipshit yep and just shoots like <laughs> twice right at his feet he's on the ground fucking great scene honestly uh i think that 
a Bill Paxton would be wonderful in a movie like Borderlands. You know, yep. I think he he could play a wastelander really well. Um, and mm-hmm. you know what I I do like Jamie Lee Curtis for the role of Patricia Tannis because you know Tannis is such a an oddball. Like mm-hmm. she she's completely impervious to what's going around like going on around her in in Pandora. Yeah, um, she's dedicated to figuring out more of the vault, and all the other yeah. stuff is just it's fumes to her she's just i must figure more more about the vault and the and the aliens who made it well in the first game her little uh her little like hideout slash like you know like uh, pop-up tent home that she has is like surrounded by rack if you remember the you know like the flapping like oh yeah reptilian creatures mm-hmm. they're just surrounding her whole her whole like like living area and she doesn't even you know bad an eye um <laughs> so i think I think Jamie Lee Curtis can can pull off that role really well because I, I think it lends its own its own style of crazy that could be fun to to see on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is totally just just me offering a suggestion. I'm not saying this is what they should have done, but when they started talking about a Borderlands movie, I thought Allison Brie would have been perfect for the role of Patricia Tannis. Oh yeah, because would I have been she, great for that. Yeah, because in the games. You know, and don't get me wrong, dude. Like, I know that like, like, like older female actors in Hollywood, like they just, Mm -hmm. they don't get a chance. And so like, that's why I'm fucking happy as hell that, that Jamie Lee Curtis got the call up for this. Um, But when I saw, you know, Tannis in the game, like, man, Alison Brie, like carbon copy, she could have played this, Mm -hmm. you know, just as well. But, but I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I'm actually really excited to see what happens there. Um, But I would say of the entire cast we've mentioned so far, I just want to make sure that Kevin Hart doesn't play Kevin Hart and that he actually <laughs> plays Roland. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like I almost like wondering if like this game, since I mean, obviously since you've got both Kevin Hart and Jack Black attached to it, if they're going to go like almost like the Jumanji route with it and maybe it'll be much closer to comedy than it is. Um, I don't know. Super serious. Um you've got those two playing off of each other because maybe maybe roland will be like the r2 to um i'm not roland claptrap will be like the r2 to roland's 3po or something in this one honestly i hope not for the love Mm -hmm. of god (laughs) because (laughs) i mean because roland is like the he's not the moral epicenter of borderlands but the guy is like stoic Mm -hmm. he's stoic as hell he has a hard time getting his feelings out because that's a, a basis of the, the the games here is that like Roland and Lilith's relationship, mm-hmm. it struggles a lot because Roland can't just, you know, be, he can't, mm-hmm. he can't get his, his thoughts or his feelings out. So, you know, Roland was, uh, uh, we, we talked about this in our, our main series, but he, he's basically one of these like highly trained soldiers that fought for the Atlas corporation under their crimson Lance, uh, you know, military arm. Mm-hmm. And so that's, part of the reason why the guy is so tough as nails and hard to to uh find stuff in common with mm-hmm. because he's kicked a lot of wholesale ass oh, okay yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's just what he's done which so, yeah i mean if i had a fan cast roland and yeah i think the person i think would be great for this would be idris elba um would be a fantastic roland i mean this is also unfair because like he is like idris elba is like a man crush for me i don't have many of those Idris Elba is one of them, mostly because his voice is like gravel wrapped in silk, lathered in butter. It is just unbelievably smooth and yet authoritative. 
He knows the effect he has on women, Joe. He is aware of it. And and me. <laughs> embarrassingly. <laughs> um <laughs> Hey, you said you haven't written any any works of art here or any major major uh works, but you've probably written plenty of Idris Elba fan fiction. Uh that is private. And I'd have <laughs> Really appreciate it if you stick out my personal affairs here, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I just, when I heard Kevin Hart was playing the role of Roland, um, I, I don't have really any major issues with Kevin Hart because in the roles that he plays, he's hired to be Kevin Hart. Yep. I mean, typically it works for what they're looking to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's honestly like, in, I don't know, I want to say in, in Kevin Hart's defense, I feel like that's what, that's what a lot of movies are these days is like, you want the actor, you, you get someone because they're, I don't know. It's almost like movies are written to not want to have people. They don't want people with range. They have, they write a part with someone in mind, or they're like, I'm going to give this to someone because I know this person will do this one thing really well. And I'd say Kevin Hart can only do one thing, but he's kind of paid to be him and be Kevin Hart and not who he is otherwise. And again, Kevin Hart's great. Like I, I love him in his movies. I love his stand-up, but I mean, if you compare who Kevin Hart usually plays to the character of Roland, like they don't, they're not the same thing. They're not, they're not really even close to each other. Like, like you've pointed out. So yeah, if you're hoping to have a faithful, faithful adaptation of Roland, I mean, there's like a high chance that won't happen. Uh, yeah, I just, I just struggle. Mm-hmm. a little bit with it i mean uh, i don't know we'll, we'll see we'll see I, I guess it just depends on on what interpretation mm-hmm. you know they they give um i mean and, and once again I, i'm not a, a movie producer here so don't <laughs> don't don't take me for like you know me being the uh the gospel here um i don't know but like i i was thinking of someone like uh, uh jiman hansu if you know who that is um, he actually plays um, one of the henchmen of uh, 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 Ronan the Accuser in um, Guardians of the, the Galaxy. Galaxy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's the guy that gets his like little uh, like mechanical uh, augmented like brain thing ripped out by Star Lord. Uh, oh at yeah, the end. Mm-hmm. the guy goes who you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he is a he's been a solid actor. I mean, for the last like 25 years, oh, I, yeah. I've never seen him in a role where I didn't appreciate everything he did. So um, I say that a lot, by the way, about certain actors on this, this podcast, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I thought he could be a, a solid person to put into that role. And uh, it, once again, fan casting, not necessarily, mm-hmm. we have to do what I say. Um, but ultimately though, this could be a scenario where you've got the right mix of, of experience here, right? I mean, there's, there's a good amount of serious and, and comedic flair that makes up the cast. Same thing goes with the people who are writing and directing this. So when we talk about Borderlands and that, and how that balance is very crucial. Mm-hmm. Now we get to see whether or not these people know that. And if they know how to get it from small screen to big screen. Yeah. That, uh, that A to B isn't always easy to do for some reasons when it comes to video games but yeah yeah, let's cross our fingers and hope for the best on this one yeah let's see if they throw out at the end of it uh, 
somebody saying those are $500 sunglasses, asshole. <laughs>